0: Thanks, John Free. I just second what John said about the transformative uh, possibility in the Life Transformation School. You'll see the dates on it and go like, whoa, that's a lot of commitment. Yeah, it is. It's, it's several evenings in a row, uh, a weekend, and then, uh, yeah, it's just kind of getting hit by a fire hose. But, man, uh, one of the biggest things that happened for me is encountering the Father's love. Um, I know a lot of Bible and churchy stuff. But there's things that, have you noticed that you can know them, but the the experience, the ownership, the the personality transformation. There's something else that happens that's beyond knowing uh, information. And I found Father doing that in me through that uh, experience. So I, I strongly encourage you guys to do it. This is me going in with, Multiple degrees in theology. So it's not like it's about, well, do they have anything new to tell us? That's not the point. It's to encounter Jesus while we're learning how to be disciples. And so I try to tell you all the topics they cover. It is so across the board. It'd take too long. Uh, It's pretty comprehensive, but it's totally worth your time. I don't think so. Do we? Yeah, the kids are going to missions. Hands on the nations, right? Oh, Vic's going to do a hands on the... Uh, okay. Thank God for Shelly. Anna has COVID. So John and I are here like going around like, We just love Jesus. She just... Anna texted you from her sickbed. Don't forget the missions moment. She knows this. Where's Vic? Vic, I'm sorry. I didn't even... I saw hands on the nations. I thought, Oh, everyone's going to hands on the nations. Cool. Welcome the lovely, powerful... He he said just for that he's going to do this in Spanish. So, Victor
1: Cruz, welcome him. I'll translate. (laughs) Muy buenos días. I think I was kidding. Church is always good to be here. Uh, Good to see you. Uh, Thank you, bro. Hermano. Um, So, Cuba... By any chance, anybody has been in Cuba, to Cuba in this, from this congregation? All right. One, two, two, three. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, Cuba, guys. Havana and Key West are closer than Tulsa to Oklahoma City, yet worlds apart. By the grace of God, I've had the opportunity of being there seven times. We have not been in the last two because of COVID. And guys, things that you and I take for granted, it's a struggle. We go to Starbucks, a couple people, we blow 20 bucks, we don't think about it. The average income for a Cuban pastor is $25 a month. $25 a month. And even if you had some extra, you can't find the goods. So for the last several years, we've had the opportunity of working with just amazing, amazing group of believers, pastors, leaders, that uh, they're allowed to have church. The government allows them to have church six hours a week. They choose to do two, 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 two on Sunday, two hours on Sunday, two hours midweek and two hours for the youth because they do get it. They understand the importance of the youth growing. That's their future church of the youth learning about Christ. Believe it or not, the church that we go, next door, kid you not, next door, the headquarters of the Communist Party. Next door with a huge poster of Fidel Castro with a scar. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yet the people that I met there, they're not what you would believe. Oh, here comes the Americans. Give me, give me, give me, give me. It's, you know, Walmarts with a suitcase, you know? It's not. They're like, how can I bless you, my American friend? How, what can I give you? And it has broken us. It has blown our minds. And we have just become family. Today, this morning, uh, Chris Hogue, Aston Hogue, Anna Mae Cameron, and I are leading our little ones a little bit of taste, a little bit of picture of what living in Cuba is, how to pray for Cuba. So guys, we hope and pray that this coming November 5th, we'll take a team to Cuba and you're invited. However, if you're interested, just don't pack so quickly because we need to talk. It's not like any other mission trip Because you want to preach? Guess what? You can't. You want to lead a, 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 a Bible class? Uh, you can't because you don't want to get arrested okay but some of the most beautiful amazing times of ministry have been done in cuba we get to do it underground we get to do it on walks we get to take a group of cubans to the beach they live an hour and a half from the beach and 60 percent of them have never been to the beach the church that we work with is 300 people roughly half of believers three cars 1% 1% of the populace of that church has vehicles. The rest come by bicycle, or they walk, or they take a bus. Anna was telling me, reminding me, that there was a lady that came to listen to her because she spoke beautifully, very s- secret place uh, to a group of ladies. And the lady got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, traveled to come and listen to her at 10 a.m. She traveled all that. To listen to anime which is totally worth the time because anime is amazing i'll take her anywhere so guys my request is pray for the little ones as they learning today and pray for our friends in cuba i've been standing in the streets of havana overlooking at the ocean on a clear night and i can see the lights of key west florida that's almost taunting because so close as the song says And yet so far, it's a world's apart. So let me challenge you to pray for our friends in Cuba. They're amazing people that love God and they want something different and much better for their nation. Thank you, Jesus. Bless our friends in Cuba. En el nombre de Jesús. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. So Vic's going to be out in the hallway right after the service. If you felt just a little stirring about that, just talk to him. Um, just talk to him. Just It may be for some other reason you don't even know that the Holy Spirit's doing that to you. Um, but just talk to him about it. That doesn't mean you're signed up for the trip. Because uh, my guess is some of you might feel scared, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but just talk to Vic afterwards. He'll be in the hallway. All right. Shelly, is there anything else going on that John and I are not clued in about? Yeah. This is all written down in places. It's just like I read it and I thought, I don't, yeah, anyway. Thanks for your patience. Well, I'm going to continue. We started last week this series calling How Do I Know What's True? And the reason we're doing this is because, and we talked about this last week, but that. Knowing what is true is actually kind of hard work. The truth can be hard to find, and at the same time, everything is banking on it. What we believe to be true determines every decision we make. every decision we make. we 've got this structure, and we're not always conscious we 're not always consciously thinking about it. But like just the fact that you believe that chair truly will hold you up, you sit in it. I mean, every action we take has to do with what we believe to be true. And and so we talked about last week at length um, is that Jesus is the truth. That truth isn't simply an idea, but that truth is a person whose name is Jesus. What's fascinating, by the way, and I'm not going to go on long about this, but is that if you think about it, this is always the case. Any philosophy, any, it, it, it gets transmitted through a person, and then we trust that that person's right. That's kind of the way truth works. It involves trust, always involves trust. So you, you might think Aristotle or, I don't know, Carl Sagan. I don't know why Carl Sagan came to mind. You've got to be pretty old to know who that is. Millions and millions. It's from the PBS when I was a kid, but... Um truth is a person, so the question to know truth is, how do I know Jesus? and And this is the the burning issue for me is this is guys, that we have to learn how to know Jesus so we can reliably know what is true and live it. One of the things that's a, a great mistake is to believe that knowing Jesus is simply part of my religious private life that helps the rest of my other public life go well. That is a fundamental mistake. It is a heresy, actually. Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, is offering us a comprehensive way of living everything, a way of understanding everything, politics, economics, uh, whatever you say, G- why Jesus is so it's such a genius, he doesn't give tons of specifics, but he gives plenty of principles to live by that touch every part of us. One of the things that's been genuinely uh, alarming to me through the last two years is I've noticed that we don't have a very well-developed capability of discerning what's true in the public sphere. Based on Jesus himself. What I've noticed most of us do, I'm guilty of it too, is we revert to maybe what our parents said, maybe what we learned in school. A lot of times, the truth we believe, we don't actually know where we learned it. You guys have all heard the story of, of the lady who um, for uh, Thanksgiving would cook a ham and cut off the ends. You guys know that story? Who, do, who doesn't know that story? Okay, good, all right, I'll use it. Uh, keep on using my old material. Um, there was a story of a lady, every time she cooked, she cut off the ends of, her, of the ham and then cook it. And then, so her daughter said, Mom, why do you do that? She said, well, my mom did that. And so she asked her mom, why did you do that? She said, well, my mom did that. And she asked Grandma, why did you that? And she said, well, I only had one pan and it was too short. But what had gotten passed down was this is the way to cook ham. You cut the ends off. And you'd be shocked at how much of what we believed to be true we just caught like as we, we were running through Walmart as fast as we could and grabbed anything we saw. Just, you end up with a set of Legos, chips, and a toothbrush. And that's my worldview. <laughs> that's my comprehensive worldview of all that is true. or or a meme right you know you name it we get some really weird sources for our information and it feels true so it must be true that is guys so much is at stake what we believe to be true determines every decision we make so what I want to say on this series of how do I know it's true how do I know what's true to do this we're gonna have to apply ourselves And what I mean by that is, if you're like me, uh, a lot of times, I just want to go to church because it was a hard week. And I just want a relief, right? Um, and, and I just think of what Jesus was like so many times. He'd be like, oh yeah, that's great. Um, hey, disciples, I just healed all these dudes. And you saw me do it. Now I'm going to give you the authority to do the same. Really? Yes, and Matthew 10, it says, go heal all these people, proclaim the gospel. And then he tells them what's going to happen. Um, you're going to be hated by all because of your witness for me. They're going to take you into synagogues and flog you, but don't worry about it. <laughs> he says, don't, don't, don't worry about those who can kill the body, but not the soul. Be more afraid of the God who can destroy soul and body in hell. But no, your father loves you. He's got every hair of your head numbered. In, in one of the, the lies that the Lord's been addressing in me is that is that I believe that a successful Christian life is a comfortable Christian life. I genuinely believe it. Uh, an idol in my life is my comfort. I hate saying it out loud because I'm like, but I've already got a plan for this afternoon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's not that comfort's a bad thing. But... Man, it's like all of us guys who love to watch football and are ticked off with the quarterback who didn't see the guy who was open. If you had murderous giants after you, you wouldn't see it either. Dear God, you'd be crying like a baby. And those guys are going through immense pain to do what they do. But it's worth it. They want to get the win. Determining how we live our lives, determining on whether we spent any of this time in a worthwhile way in line with truth. I can't think of anything more important. C- can you? I- I- and so what, what, what I'm not saying is there's nothing more important than church. That's not what I'm saying. Is you knowing the truth, which we're saying is Jesus. And then being able to engage the world around us in a way that's fearless and thoughtful. And also, we know what to shy away from. We know what to engage. Often, one of the two things we do is either we cloister up and hide from the world because it's going to contaminate us, which doesn't sound at all like Jesus coming into the world that exists. Or we just let the world colonize us I have friends, I've watched this, where the world has colonized them in the effort to be quote-unquote relevant. But, but without thoughtful engagement on what is true and what does Jesus actually say and what does it look like to live the Jesus life, it, it's just not helpful. Life doesn't go that great. Does that make sense? So when I say we've got to apply ourselves, I don't want you to get nervous because here's the, man, if, if the Jesus thing is true, the deck is stacked in our favor. Because we live in a place of responsiveness to his help and power. He, he just wants to help us. He's like, I can't wait. When John sees um vision of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, it's this crazy vision you know, where Jesus' eyes like fire, face as bright as the sun, hair like wool, voice as loud as like a waterfall. And the powerful thing is, and there's a, two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. That's what I think Jesus wants to do for us. He's coming with a two-edged sword out of his mouth that cuts down darkness and evil and wickedness and judges it and frees us from it. Make sense? So some of this, you'll know if God's working in you. A, if you sense his kindness and you're getting disoriented. I'm telling you, I, like, I, I recently had this experience. It's like, oh, God is moving so strong among us. Ouch. What? Stop that. Y- you know what I'm saying? I don't want to change. <laughs> now you're dealing with some old habits I have. That's Jesus' love saying, oh, I really love you, but whenever you're around me, something's going to happen to you to make you more like me. So both are going to happen. You're going to feel comforted, and you're going to feel disoriented. Yay, bring it on, Jesus. So this is so cool. Joe Span didn't know I was going to be saying this. He's saying, here's a, here's a really hard question. How do you know a person who isn't here? I want to know the person who is truth, whose name is Jesus. Well, how does that work? You know, and some of us have been raised in church, and we felt like, you know, there's been some real leaps in logic, you know, for, by our Sunday school teachers or whatever. They're just, well, just, you know. It's more like Jesus is like potpourri. He's happy every, you know, and it's like, it never worked for me. I'm like, no, I want to know this. But here's, here's the good news is Peter says this in First Peter, though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Apparently, it's possible to know this person, Jesus, from the location we're in right now. It's so important that we recognize that we can know this person, Jesus, from this location, this spot in history right now. So that's what I want to talk to you about. How do we know Jesus? Well, the way we start with that is we ask a question. If truth is a person, not just an idea, it's important that we ask, how do I know a person? Does anybody know a person? (laughs) Okay, so we all have experience with this, right? And so... Know that I'm not a psychologist. I'm a hobby philosopher. (laughs) My stuff's mostly all in trainings in theology. So if you're a philosophy or a psychology student, you know, you're probably like, well, there's at least 32 more than that. But I'm going to give you some categories that actually have been used for a couple few hundred years that are pretty, pretty helpful on this. And the first thing is, how do I know a person? I've got to I got to know other words, Right. Have you ever, guys, you ever had a moment where uh, nonverbals weren't quite as accurate as you hoped? My wife cannot stand trying to give nonverbal cues to me. Because I'm like, what? And it's always like, it's always private, right? So I'm like, what? She's like, you know, because I'm like, mushrooms are blue. I, I I don't get it, you know, I'm not saying that. Words are important, right? I usually say this, especially for boys who like girls. Words are helpful. They <laughs> just just run up and going. I'm looking for my brother Andy. I'm just saying if I'm going to humiliate him or not. I will, just for fun. We, so the, the first time he saw this, he was in college, it was a campus crusade event. It was out at a park. Um, And he saw this girl he thought was really cute. Andy, in his great instincts for communication and affection, walks up, sees a branch on the ground, and thinks it'd be hilarious to break it over. (laughs) So there's a couple shortcomings in the strategy. What makes it even better is he doesn't realize how incredibly thick the thing is. And he goes, and he goes, you know, like that, that sound in your head where you're like, I can't hear. He was like, all this girl knew was, what are you doing? I've never met this guy. Now, the moral of the story is they've been married about 20 years. (laughs) It worked, apparently. So, (laughs) whatever. So maybe words aren't as important as we think. Symbolic action. (laughs) They did talk eventually. How do I know a person? It's through their words. Words are so important. It it takes the interior of what I mean to, to communicate to you and gives it the most precise way of getting it into your skull. Another one is the hearing from others about that person. This is why we have resumes, right? References. Yeah, this guy presents really well. Hey, do you know him? What's he actually like? You ever had that kind of conversation with somebody? Maybe like getting a car sold to you, or a house built. It's nice to know something about somebody else uh, rather than just their words about themselves, right? Another way is their presence. Their presence. You know, uh, words can be a little thrown off, right? Texting, right? Without somebody present when you're texting. I heard Ryan Hamilton, who's a comedian, say, he said, have you ever had this thing where... where, uh, You say, hey, would you want to do something tonight? And you get it, no, period. I think the period's a little excessive. (laughs) It kind of hurts my feelings. (laughs) Right? But you don't really know what somebody actually feels unless you're in their presence, right? You can kind of feel it, right? Have you you ever done this with your spouse or good friend? How are you? I'm great. Right? You're like, this is going to be really bad. But you said you were great. (laughs) There's something about presence that can communicate something about this person that we have to have, that words and hearing things about them are not enough. And the fourth one is thinking or reasoning about them. In other words, you think, okay, we had this conversation. They said this. Maybe what they think about this issue is, we've all done that, right? You know what I'm talking about? Blank stares. Okay. Okay. Okay, good. So these are at least four different ways that we can know something about another person. So the question would be, is can we apply these to Jesus? Can I know Jesus through His words, from hearing from others about Him, by Jesus' presence, and thinking or reasoning about Jesus? You follow my train of thought here? So we're talking about, can can I know somebody through these certain means? Well, could I apply that to Jesus right now? So what I'm going to do is just kind of test that out, okay? So we have to start by not how do I know Jesus, though, but we have to ha- start with how did they know Jesus? Who? The apostles. Anybody want to guess why? Yeah, they were there. The, uh, we, we can know Jesus as a person from our location, but it has to start with the ones who are actually there because it's an unrepeatable location. Does that make sense? Everybody follow me? Okay. Good. We have to start with how did they know Jesus to see, okay, let's test this theory to see if they knew Jesus like this and then see how that applies with us. And so how did they know Jesus? I'm going to use this passage from 1 John chapter 1, the first three verses. And in this, in this passage, John... Um, Is the apostle, and he's talking about we. And when you start to realizing the we he's talking about is him and his apostle buddies. Okay, if you want to go dive deeper in that, we can do that. Give me a call. But um, so we see this passage. John's talking about their experience with Jesus. That which we've was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes. We looked at, our hands have touched. This we reclaim concerning so you see John talking about, anybody know what he means by word of life? Who's he talking about? Yeah, so if you look at the first chapter of John, his gospel, he talks about Jesus as the word, and the word was with God, and other was with the Father, and then ties it up here, the fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So let's see what we can tell just from this passage about how the apostles knew Jesus. We can see that they knew Jesus' words. That which we have heard, we heard him say things. And man, the gospels, are just filled with this, right? Of Jesus saying all kinds of stuff to his guys. Do you know Jesus didn't write a single word? You guys know this, right? If you don't, now's the good time to learn it. Jesus never wrote a single word. It's the guys who heard it who wrote it. So they heard Jesus' words to get to know him they they also heard from others about jesus the first thing i want you to notice i don't know if you can see those i probably should use a different color but all of the revelation they're talking about is to community see that it's always we 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 it happened with one another in other words there are things that jesus revealed to some of these guys he didn't reveal to me there's great examples of this where uh Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and followed Jesus first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah Peter would never Simon Peter would never have gotten to know Jesus if his brother Andrew didn't tell him isn't that wild see the same kind of thing where Philip finds Nathaniel and says we found the one Moses wrote about in the law about the whom the prophets wrote, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? It said, come and see. And he did. And and then think about this. Most of the disciples weren't around when Jesus immediately, right when he was resurrected. They had to hear about it from their community, from others. So, you know, we have the the women at the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, running to tell the disciples. We have Mary Magdalene, who mistakes Jesus for the gardener. Isn't that awesome? And then runs and tells the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Same thing happened with a couple of guys on the road to Emmaus. They, they, Jesus shows up and they're talking about what a disappointment Jesus' career was. And Jesus hangs and he explains himself to them. He says they got up and eventually they realized, oh my goodness, it's Jesus right in front of me. Which that should encourage us all. Right? You think, I know Jesus if you're right in front of me. Nah, not necessarily. They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. Those with them assembled said, It's true, the Lord's risen. It's appeared to Simon. So, we've seen the first two, right? Jesus' words. Others talking with them about Jesus. About Jesus' presence. Well, they made it really clear. They heard Jesus. We've seen him with our eyes. We've looked at him. Our hands have touched him we've seen it again he's appeared to us we've seen and heard it john's really repetitive on purpose by the way because at the time there were people saying that jesus is just kind of a spiritual thing it wasn't actually there. i know we touched him we were right there we were in his presence and one of the favorite things i we talk about how presence communicates something different to us how about the time that peter and john they're in front of the, the the Sanhedrin the, the, the top of the top Governors Over, over, over Jewish religion And they, it says When they saw the courage Of Peter and John And realized They were unschooled Ordinary men They were astonished And took note That these men Had been with Jesus Something happens to us In presence That makes us know This Jesus in a way In no other way And so thinking And reasoning about Jesus Here's what's interesting Is that you'll see that says, that which we've looked at. There's three other verbs on seeing, but they're translated seen. This one we've looked at, the force of that word is to look closely until I understand the meaning of it. And even to extend it further, in this little piece of the sentence, he adds, we've looked closely, examined it to understand its significance, and we've touched it. There's this knowing, there's this engagement with it. And we see the disciples, you know, often trying to reason about Jesus and struggling, right? The disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying in a little while you'll see me no more? And after a little while you'll see me. Because I'm going to the Father. And they kept asking. So they're talking with each other. What is Jesus talking about? They're reasoning about it. Trying to find what's true in what he says. Same thing again with the guys on the road to Emmaus. They're talking with each other about everything that happened in Jesus' death. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. They were kept from recognizing him. And then at the end of the story, he said, Oh, man, after Jesus explained all this, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. point here is they're talking with one another to make sense of who this Jesus is. Make sense? Okay. So the question is then, how do I know Jesus? If that, if, if it's true, okay, now I know I'm running fast, since it's a little... A lot of pieces to this. But it's true that these four ways of knowing a person, the apostles did with Jesus, how does that work with me? Well, here's the happiest stuff ever. The apostles say, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And guess who our fellowship with is, is with? It's with the Father and with His Son Jesus. So so we get access to the person of Jesus. Through what the apostles proclaim, you follow me. It's really super important stuff. Now, I'll say this: it was never explained to me growing up. Ever, I didn't learn any of this until I was getting degrees. And I know there are other churches that do a better job than the ones I were in. Um, but because because I thought the Bible fell from the sky, you know, and it was just true. I mean, I didn't really think that, but that was kind of the about the explanation I had, you know, in my head. Uh, It's these guys who actually knew Jesus, wrote about it. And so where do we get Jesus' words? These guys proclaim it to us. We have direct access to the interior life of Jesus through their words. Isn't that amazing? We know exactly what Jesus said to them. We get access to that. We We get to hear from others about Jesus. The first one is the apostles. We get to hear from them about their experience with Jesus. Not only that, here's what's interesting. You'll notice that when he says we proclaim to you the eternal life, we're telling you that's not individual you. That's y'all. It's a plural you. Now, think this through. If it weren't for other people, you would not know anything about Jesus. What do I mean by that? So these guys told that y'all about Jesus, and that y'all told another y'all about Jesus, and that y'all told another y'all, and eventually, and we, the, the, the copies we have in about the second century, they, they started writing it down probably around 60 AD and kept on making copies of it. And because all those y'alls kept on doing that, we got to experience Jesus. Does that make sense so it's impossible for us to say we don't need anybody else it's impossible that is just absolutely not true we have to have others telling us about jesus to know jesus now you could say well what if i walked into a room and jesus appeared to me okay i'm in man um i actually know two people that the way they came to know Jesus, and I think already—I know they already knew about Jesus, but the way they came to Jesus was through, was through encounters like that. First of all, it's not that common. Secondly, you eventually need to start talking to somebody about what you had. Because there's also psychedelic drugs who do wonderful things. Very similar to these things. <laughs> Very real encounters. And almost nobody I know who just walked in, never heard a single thing about Jesus, saw a Bible, opened it, and that's how they come to find Jesus. Because even then, the reason they needed other people is somebody else translated it into a language that you know, made copies of it, and got it in front of you. I'm I'm harping on this because our individualism, we are crazy to think we can know Jesus apart from other people. We're crazy. It doesn't work. Okay. Jesus' presence. So it's so cool that we're being invited into fellowship with the apostles and their fellowship is with Jesus. Sweet. What sometimes we get confused about, though, we could say, well, their words are the fellowship. But is not then we just say words alone are not enough? Words alone are not enough. The apostles, if you will, I'm going to get a soundbite on this and put all meme. The apostles' witness is not enough. But Jesus has already stacked the deck. Jesus says to his apostles, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. What he doesn't mean, that's not like a Hallmark card. Like, I'll just always be with you. Remember me. No, he says, literally, if you love me, keep my commands. I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will will remind you of everything I've said to you. This is where you get into the God factor. Something that's irreplaceable, unrepeatable by Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, any smart person, teacher, any person to that the Holy Spirit that was on these guys for Jesus' presence to continue to tell them who He is and what He is. Paul says we're all baptized into that same Spirit. We have the literally same presence of spirit on us as the apostles. And what does that mean? We can experience the presence of Jesus. Whoa, I can feel him right now. He likes it so much. I like you too. I like you so much. You're my favorite. We have access to the presence of Jesus to know him in addition to his words, in addition to what other people are saying about him. And here's here's the fun thing about reasoning, thinking about Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. (laughs) We're using our noggins to say, what is this all about? What is happening? So what I love about this whole idea of how do I know Jesus? How do I know this person? It's this fully human fully orbed thing of knowing somebody like uh, one of the things and I'm going to repeat a bunch of this uh, as the series goes on but I'll say you know man Jesus words are everything to me but what's weird is I've known guy in, guys in, in my journey I've studied a lot of theology I've read a lot of books and the weird part is I've read people who know know more about Jesus' words than me, but they don't seem to know Jesus. Like, what? That never made much sense to me. And so people would say, well, don't study theology. Something bad's going to happen to you. No, it was just, yeah, that's the world I came from. I don't know if you guys can. Did anybody come from that too? You know, get your learning and lose your burning or something like that or whatever they'd say, you know. I'm a church mutt, so I've been to so many different things that I'm like, I don't know where I heard that. But um, but Jesus' presence... See, Jesus' words without Jesus' presence makes us a Jesus stalker. Right? If you, if you have an Instagram or Facebook and someone knows everything about you, but you've never met them, what do we call those people? Yeah, Creeps, stalkers. It's, it's not like my best friend my intimate friend who knows everything about me, right? <laughs> but there's those who have experienced Jesus' presence, don't know his words, and that you can get really confused really fast about what Jesus is actually like. It's like Jesus only non-verbals. It, it just that wouldn't work with any normal person. Why would we think that would work with a person we can't see? So, the te- I'm going to give you now the words that have been used throughout history. One of the guys who made it most clear what these ways of knowing are is a guy named John Wesley back in the 1700s. But there's stuff has happened way before him and after him. There's different ways you can slice this whole idea of how do we know this Jesus. So I'm going to use these technical words primarily because they make a great acronym. Scripture, Jesus' words, that's Scripture. That's Scripture. Those, those, that, that's, that's, that's what Jesus said out loud, the apostles repeated. The New Testament scripture is the apostles' witness. Hearing from others about Jesus is the word tradition. What does that mean? That can be confusing. Because often you think tradition is like the old dumb things you repeat over and over again that don't matter. And tradition in a technical sense, right, in a more theological, biblical sense, means the witness of others about Jesus, not just my, right now, but throughout history. history, Did you know there were Christians before us? Did you know there were people having insane encounters with the Holy Spirit way before anything we've even thought about? And we have record of it. Do you know that people, they've had crazy difficult things to work through. Crazier than COVID. Crazier than political turmoil. Way crazy. And have written about how to make it through this time. So important. We'll talk more about that when we yeah, get to it. Jesus' presence would the word the experience, and this last one is the word reason. And so here's the beautiful little acronym Reason, experience, scripture, and tradition. Reason, experience, bam. <laughs> He's got skills. Is there, is there any better word than rest, right? I love this word, rest. How do I know Jesus? Rest. So if, if you're like, I, mean, I can't remember. was a lot of details. How do, how, do know, how do I know Jesus? Rest. How do I know Jesus? Rest. How do I know Jesus? Rest. How do I know Jesus? How do I know Jesus? There we go. Thank you. Yeah, it's this reason, experience, scripture, and tradition. Now, a couple other ideas that are really important. All of these are ways of knowing Jesus, but they're not all equal. They're not all equal. At the top of most importance is Scripture. Why is that? Because the best way to know a person is through the words they tell us. It's the most precise way we can know what they're trying to communicate. I have a friend who's a preacher. There was a guy in the front row that for like the first two years... As the sermon would go on, the guy would be going... It was like, this guy hates me and is going to bull rush me at any time. And eventually they're at like a church event and stuff. He said, Pastor, I so appreciate your sermons. He says, I just got to concentrate so hard. Instead, the guy's terrified. But the truth was, this guy is so focused. You know, it it was so important to hear that guy's words come out of his mouth to explain what's going on, right? Poor Susan Sealy, you remember Susan? And she'd have to say always and ever again, I am smiling, right? So she's like, I can't me." There's a whole line of people that I'm afraid when I'm worshiping. I open my eyes, there's a line of people who need to uh, see if I'm mad at them. I'm not mad. My nonverbals just don't send the signals I mean them to, you know? know. Scripture's at the top. The next one is tradition. We'll talk about why. The witness of others about Jesus. Primary reason why the Bible is the witness of others about Jesus. And it's the community of faith that interprets the Bible. Okay, we'll get to that later. And then these last two, experience and reason. It, depending on your tradition, some traditions would put reason over experience. That typically would be a little more, you're more heady evangelical guys. You know, you, can I really trust this? You know, and then you're f- drooling charismatics. What do you think would be higher? <laughs> hey, I'm a drooling charismatic. I, I, I like the charismatic stuff. And, and, and the more I've thought about both of these, I've just, the more I've, because re- some guys only do three. They, they say word, community, and spirit. I, I figured they're pretty pretty equal and you can't ever really do one without the other. So I just say, but, but the point that was so important, for example, is you will always let your experience be judged by the community and Scripture. How do you know the truth of Jesus? I didn't make any of the things I'm saying up. I, I'm, I'm standing in a tradition of Christians way older than me who taught this. I grounded it in Scripture on purpose. Do you notice? It, it kind of doesn't work. I'm using Scripture to prove Scripture. That's circular reasoning. We'll talk about that later. But it's okay Because that's the way reason works. All reason is circular. i got to get out of this. I'm in trouble. (laughs) So so if I have some experience, I'm going to submit it to my brothers and sisters in Scripture to say, Am I meeting Jesus in this? I have a friend who his dad was absolutely convinced. The Holy Spirit said, Leave your wife and marry this other woman. And he did it man, there's some really obvious stuff in the scriptures that kind of speaks to that. It's not like vague. You you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, should I root for the Broncos? You know, it's like, no, it's not in there. but, But he consciously disconnected from his community on it, consciously. And people, man, you get picked off, you lose the truth. You do it by yourself. I promise you, you will be picked off. I feel such strength on that because I've watched it for 18 years. People say, all I need is my stream in Jesus. You will be picked off. I, I'm not just saying you might be. You will be. I've seen it 100%, batting 1,000 people losing their faith when they disconnect commu- community. Serious. Oh, because Jesus has such good for us. He has such good for us. Such a lovely life. Not only life, but hope beyond our death, where we start to step into real life. Don't throw this away, guys. Don't throw this away. So, here's a little reflection question we can end on. And hearing this, a question would be of reason, and we're thinking about Jesus. And what he does or experiencing, feeling Jesus and being in his presence or looking at the scriptures or being in community with others. Which of these ways of knowing Jesus comes most naturally to me? Just think about that just for a minute. I found most of us have one or two of these that are most natural. And I don't, there's not like one right or wrong. It's just kind of the way we're wired. Who, who, Who feels like reason's really helpful for you to connect with Jesus? I wonder if reason and introversion are the same thing because it's like people are going. <laughs> How about experience? Yeah, I figure we probably appeal to those who like that. How about, oh, wrong button. Okay. How about scripture? Cool, 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 cool. And how about the witness of the community? You're like, oh, oh, i got to have that. I mean, there's all different reasons why. <laughs> so I'm looking at Brooke Poindexter. I was on a trip with Brooke once, and there was like five people who were going to a conference. And I was like, this is the greatest trip ever. Because everyone in the, I didn't realize because everyone in the van was an introvert. And so I was like, I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> and Brooke's over there just like, practically in tears just like and then i was like hey brooke hey how are you doing it was awesome but i was like whoa oh <laughs> someone needed to talk <laughs> i thought i was in you you know utopia here <laughs> it was a wonderful talk brick don't don't it was wonderful <laughs> but to that end in which ways do i need to grow I'll tell you, I need to grow in my community space. Right? Because I feel like if I can get it right in my own self, I'll be fine. And don't test me on it because I'm right. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? You know? That's when I need to grow in. Um, yeah, that's probably my biggest area of growth. I I love the experience stuff. I love the reason stuff. I, I love the scriptures. Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, you're probably going to get... So we're going to go over one each one of these each Sunday. So reason's going to be fun. We're going to have some scientists talk about how do we know Jesus through creation. It's not going We can only get so much done in a short amount of time. But we're going to try to talk about each of these things. Guys, what I want to do, what I'm asking God to do is to equip us. Equip us. Ephesians, if you want to know exactly what we're praying over you, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, that says th- these gifts pastor teacher whatever are here to equip the saints to do the work of ministry so that we'll be united in our faith what does that even mean what what do we mean by faith well it's got a lot to it it's just not how i feel about something there's this thing involved knowing jesus that involves my mind my experiences my body my ability to read stuff and and to change and Grow into maturity. That we would not just look like Christ individually, but corporately. Then the next sentence, Paul says, and then we will not be tossed around by every new different wave of something. Every new teaching. Guys, I have watched our community get tossed around in the last two years. And some people have fallen out of the boat, man. And it, it's, it's, it's broke me. Like, God... So sorry. No, it's not all on me, but we can equip better. We can do better. We can say, we can, we can go deeper with some of these things so we can think and experience and be unafraid and engage the world as it is. I've found any time people give me a hard time or others about Jesus, they have about one line that they're, you know, can God make something so heavy he couldn't lift it? And if you just know one way past it, they're like, They don't know what they're doing anymore. It's shocking because we all just, we just kind of repeat memes and things like that until we really apply ourselves these things. I don't know of anything more important than to know the truth Jesus in all the ways he wants to. He's probably going to challenge some of us in this room with the places that are less natural to us. Yay! Let's stand together. So there's a lot of words to say. Just the summary statement is, how do I know Jesus? I'm feeling very insecure. How do I know Jesus? Thank you. Awesome. So let me pray over you. Father. Oh, man. Thinking about Jesus... Words When he sent the disciples out and they said, hey, when you get in trouble, don't worry about what you're going to say because the spirit of your father, Matthew 10, he says, the spirit of your father is going to speak through you. Nobody needs to be scared or ashamed. You should have all known this already. Well, that's silly. Then you'd be God. Said, We're always going to be growing and learning and Jesus is not... Wishing you'd already gotten here. He's saying, let's do this, man. This is fun. So, Lord, will you capture our hearts? Jesus, that picture of you, of the double-edged sword coming out of your mouth in Revelation 1. Come and cut us first, Lord. Paul would say, come and circumcise our hearts. Those things that... We, we've, we've grown up with or whatever that aren't actually Jesus. They aren't actually true. And you give us the perseverance, the perseverance to stick with you and learn you and know you in new ways, maybe stuff we've never experienced before.
1: We ask this through
0: the merit of Jesus. Amen. If there's anybody here, you've never started the journey with Jesus, you want to start it over, John Free is going to be right here. We'll pray with you, or we'll pray with you for anything you need. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the playoffs.